the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and glorified God who had given such authority to men. Lord, we ask that you be uh, with us this morning. Uh, may you use these words to uh, edify and glorify your name. And may you lift up these people as we go through Amen. it. All right. So, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to go over the paralytic. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't read all of it. I forgot. We, we are also going to do the calling of Matthew. Uh, so I will continue on that one as well. Uh, I'll get my notes ready. All right. All right. Also, Matthew 9, verse 9. And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Amen. All right, so, got a little ahead of myself there. Uh, we're going over the paralytic healing and also the calling of Matthew today. Uh, we'll tie those together. So what I've done to prepare this lesson is we will be going through Matthew 9, but also Mark 2 and Luke 5. They are the synoptic uh, versions that all tie in, tell the same story, but add some more detail. So if you hear me reading some scriptures and you're like, that's definitely not in Matthew, it's because it's not. So don't get too far. Uh, yeah, hopefully no one comes to the roof. So. <laughs> all right. Verse 9, and getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. So the Mark 2 uh, tells us that he's coming, he's returned to Capernaum, uh, and that it, it says that this is his home. So this is the, the house, I mean, I don't know if this is his house, but Jesus uh, considers this his home. Uh, he spent the majority of his ministry and his time in Capernaum, um, traveling around, I mean, traveling to Jerusalem, obviously, uh, born in Bethlehem, uh, his parents moved to Nazareth, so all the Nazarenes, uh, and Saul in the area of Galilee. Uh, so you got the, the country of Israel, that kind of northern area. It's called Galilee. It's like a region. Uh, um, let's see. I don't have a map, but that might help. Uh, as Jesus grew up, he moved to Capernaum, uh, which is right next to the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this was foretold by the prophet Isaiah. Uh, and he traveled all over Galilee, teaching and healing the sick. Uh, his disciples... Well, 11 of them came from this area. Uh, five of them came from Capernaum uh, itself. Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Matthew. Uh, other disciples came from that area. Uh, the only one that didn't come from that area was Judas. So I guess you don't want to not be from Galilee and be a disciple. Uh, it's in Capernaum that he began his ministry in the synagogue. That comes from Mark chapter 1. Uh, he recruited his disciples, most of them. And became renowned for his power to heal the sick. So that is why I kind of consider Jesus his own city, as Matthew says, or it says he reported at home in Mark 2. Uh, and behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Uh, in Mark, it says that, uh, that, that some friends got the paralytic, they had him on a mat, and they carried him to the house that Jesus was teaching. Uh, 
so that there was so many gathered together that there was no room, uh, not even at the door. Uh, so it, there was obviously a lot of people who read some stuff, but it estimated in the houses that size, you fit about 50 people, but there's so many people there, you couldn't even stand in the door. So a lot of people had come to hear Jesus teach, which, I mean, how awesome would that be? Uh, so his friends, they, they get up their friend who can't walk, is paralyzed, and, uh, well, we got to meet Jesus somehow. Uh, so in Mark, it, it says that when they got near, because of him, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, above Jesus, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Paralytic lay. Uh, in Luke, it says that they, they uh, finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let him down through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Now, this time period, a lot of the houses were mud and, and wood, so their roofs would be built with like beams, and then you got sticks in between them, and they pack them with mud or clay. And so, you, heavy rain, you're going to get some leaks. But that's how they were able to dig through it. Uh, I'm not 100% sure whether it was a tile roof or they're considering that clay as the tile. Doesn't change the meaning of the text either way. But so they're they're up there, they get there, and like, well, we got to get him to see Jesus because I mean they. He's a paralytic. They obviously want him to be able to walk. They want him healed. So they didn't quit. They kept going. They're like, well, let's just go up to the roof. We'll dig a hole and let him in. So that's what they did. They went up there. They started digging. I mean, imagine you're sitting in the audience and like you hear some scratching. Like, what animal is that? And then you see daylight and you get dust on your head. And sure enough, there's four guys digging a hole in the roof. And then you're seeing another guy get dropped down by ropes on a mat. So when they, when the, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, when I was first reading this, I mean, the first thought that occurred to me was Jesus, his first reaction wasn't to, to heal the guy, not physically anyways. He, he looked beyond the problem of his, his paralyzed legs and body and looked to the problem that's in his heart. Uh, he, he addressed the problem of his sin. Now, I'm sure everyone sitting in the crowd was waiting for Jesus to tell the guy to get up. All right, here's the paralyzed guy. He, his friends have brought him to me. Uh, okay, you're healed. Get up and walk. Uh, but Jesus doesn't do that right off. He says, your sins are forgiven. Uh, I thought that was a very neat thing that, that he did that. This is the first thing, rather than just healing. Because if I mean, we've had people in our midst who needed healing. I mean, our, our first response is, all right, if Jesus was here, Jesus in the next town over, well, let's take him to Jesus, and he'll be healed. Uh, but, but more importantly, uh, Jesus didn't just see that he, he needed healing for being paralyzed. He saw the man's heart. Uh, he saw that he needed forgiveness, which was ultimately, it's more important than being healed. Uh, so... This didn't sit quite right with the scribes and Pharisees. It says, And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. As Luke says, Pharisees began to question, saying, and then in Mark it says they're questioning in their hearts. Now, I don't know if Jesus overheard them or if he, he knew their thoughts, which both are legit. Um, says that this man is blaspheming. It says, Who can forgive sins but God alone? Which 
at that time, yes, that's accurate. You, we had someone show up and was like, oh, I, yeah, I'll forgive your sins. Uh, it's, a, it's a claim by Jesus to his deity. Uh, God alone has authority yeah. to forgive sins. Uh, so why, Jesus said to them, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, rise and walk? So this day and age, for us, it'd be a lot easier to say your sins are forgiven because we can explain that Jesus, he paid the price for your sin and you can be forgiven. It would be much harder for us to say rise and walk to anyone who's paralyzed. Uh, Jesus does, does both. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Uh, so he didn't, didn't just leave the, the man unhealed. He healed his legs, but more importantly, he healed his heart. He took care of his sin, which was the main issue, which the guys digging through the roof probably didn't think that at first. I wouldn't think that. I mean... I think their main intention was for healing. But ultimately, he got the healing that he needed rather than the healing that they wanted. And he, Well, he got both, actually. But he got the healing that he needed, the healing of his heart, the forgiveness of his sins. Um, when Jesus says the Son of Man, that's again, Josh mentioned kind of Son of Man, Son of God. The Son of Man is, uh, my, my reference that I chose is out of Daniel 7. And it talks, the Son of Man is given dominion. So I'll read a little section out of Daniel 7 here. Daniel 7, verse 13. I saw in the night visions, behold, the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Amen. Yeah, amen. So Jesus makes his claim to divinity there, he, and also his claim of authority. He is saying that he has authority to forgive sins, and also he has dominion and authority to heal people. I mean, he has, we just read a couple weeks ago, or last week, uh, sorry, a bit fuzzy, uh, how he calmed the storm. He has authority over the waves of the sea. He has authority over this guy's sickness. Uh, so that he heals him, and also he has the authority to forgive sins. Uh, after that, it says he rose, uh, and he rose and went home, the, the paralytic. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Uh, Mark says it, it says they were all amazed and glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Uh, Luke says, we have seen extraordinary things today. Uh, but ultimately, they were all glorifying God because of the miracle he had done. Uh, the, again, the, the, the key part is, first off, his friends were faithful to bring him to Jesus. And I think we can take from that that we should also be faithful and bring our friends to Jesus. And uh, when someone needs healing, uh, we not only pray for them, but also we pray for their soul. I mean, ultimately, that, that guy who was healed, yes, I'm sure his life improved a lot there, uh, but he still died. Uh, but Jesus forgiving of him, forgiving him of his sins, allowed him to live eternally with him. Uh, it was the more important thing that, that I don't know if those guys lowering him through the roof realized was they wanted him healed, but the better thing was that he was saved. Uh, after the paralytic, 
Uh, it goes into the story of the calling of Matthew. Again, they're still in Capernaum, uh, and that's where Matthew is called from. Matthew is a tax collector, so we'll read a little bit about him. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, uh, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth and said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, so this is after he follows him, now they're at Matthew's house. Uh, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came, and they were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So we'll kind of go through these again uh, with the Synoptic Gospels and, and kind of gather some more information on that story. Uh, it says, he, a man called Matthew. Now, if you read through Mark 2 and Luke 5, I remember, uh, they don't call him Matthew. You may, it says he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. Uh, and in Luke, it says a tax, collect, tax collector named Levi. So, if you're reading the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and you're saying, who's this Levi guy? It's just Matthew. His name was changed. It's not uncommon uh, for a person to have a different name after their encounter with God. We see that with Abram and Abraham. We see that with Jacob being called Israel. Simon gets called Peter. Saul, Paul. Uh, so that, don't let it confuse you. Uh, it says that the, the name Matthew uh, I guess in the Hebrew terms, it means gift of God. Uh, so that, I believe that was the name that Jesus gave Levi after his conversion. So Levi, son of Alphaeus, uh, it's now Matthew. So uh, Also, you have, I believe James, the son of Alphaeus, which I take as uh, Matthew's brother. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> might not be. We don't know for sure. Maybe there's two guys named Alphaeus. I take it as his his brother. Um, so Matthew was a tax collector. Another name for that is a publican. That's not Republican. <laughs> they don't like taxes much. Uh, so tax collectors at this time, they were despised in the culture. Uh, what they would do is, so you've got uh, Capernaum there. Rome has came in and conquered that area. So rather than them, Romans going and trying to collect taxes, what they do is they pick someone from that area and say, hey, you're going to collect these taxes uh, for us, and whatever extra you get, you get to keep. So Matthew had an incentive to collect the most taxes he could. Why? Because that's made more money that way, uh, which is unrighteous. So he was despised not only because he's working for the enemy, the guys who are occupying their home, having them under martial law, You've got soldiers walking around, and it's a constant reminder of your oppression. But also, Matthew was Jewish, and he had betrayed not only his country, but his fellow citizens or Jew, uh, Jewish people, because he's, he's uh, collecting more than he needs. He's, he's got a dishonest gain by collecting excessive amounts. Uh, so he's really unliked. Uh, so you often see in the scriptures where it says tax collectors and sinners. So those tax collectors were lumped in with the sinners. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, they, they publicans, the, the tax collectors, they were hated uh, 
because they work for their own government, and also because I mean, you're taxing your own people more than you need to. Um, he was a traitor to his nation, but also a religious outcast. Uh, most likely he wouldn't be able to enter the synagogue. Uh, it's forbidden to sacrifice and, and worship in the temple. Uh, he was basically worse off than the Gentiles, because he used to be Jewish, which still is, but definitely was not liked. Uh, so uh, when Jesus calls out to him, he sees him sitting there at his tax booth. So the guy's at his job. He's extorting people for money right now. And Jesus says, follow me. Uh, says he rose and followed him. Uh, it says, he's, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. So he, he got up from his booth, left everything there, and followed Jesus. Uh, that call to Matthew uh, was an effectual call. Um, Jesus makes calls to other people in the Gospels when, oh, no, i got to go bury my father. I have to go say goodbye to my family. Uh, but in this instance, Matthew gets up and leaves. Uh, he, his life has changed right there, I believe, that he was regenerated, that call to follow him, Matthew obeyed. Uh, he left behind his riches, his, his position of security, his comfort. Uh, he left all that behind so he could travel and have a hard time. But traveling that back in those days was probably not very fun. I mean, we think of traveling like, oh yeah, he's going on a trip. No, they either had to walk or ride some sort of animal through dusty trails across long journeys. Not very fun. Uh, so he had those hardships and eventually martyrdom. So yeah. Matthew was killed for his faith. Uh, but he left that old life, that life of comfort, to follow Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Jesus said, follow me, and he did. Uh, and I think the, the cool thing is as soon as he was saved, uh, Matthew says, and as Jesus reclined at the house on the table. So this house, Levi's house, Matthew's house, uh, it says, Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. And Matthew says, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So for a religious Jewish leader at this time to eat with tax collectors and sinners, uh, which when it says sinners... They're all sinners, but these sinners were had the, the stigmatism of being like below salvation in a sense. Uh, so Matthew got saved, and he's like, "Hey, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw a big party for all my friends that don't know Jesus, so that they can know." So Jesus comes to eat at Matthew's house, good. and uh, he comes there, and uh, the Pharisees, of course, like uh, I imagine them like sneaking around in the corner, like, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?" Asking the disciples, which I think they're too afraid to ask Jesus now, because he kind of put the hammer down with forgiving the guy's sins and healing him. So I think they're asking the disciples. It says uh, they, they grumbled at his disciples, uh, asking him why he's eating with those tax collectors and sinners. Because uh, in those days, it'd be unimaginable for a religious leader to eat with people like these, uh, because the Pharisees and everything, they were really concerned about the outside appearance. Uh, they had the, uh, I don't remember what verse it is, but the, the outside of the cup was clean, but the inside was not. Um, so they didn't want to defile themselves by being around these tax collectors and sinners. Uh, they almost had a, uh, uh, I'm better than you approach to it, uh, but it was out of a sense of, we're so holy, we can't be around you. Um, they, they were strict on avoiding them. 
um, because they thought they were avoiding sin, but they ultimately weren't avoiding sin. They were uh, not avoiding the sin. Um, so shouldn't shouldn't be like the Pharisees in the sense that we should avoid all those sinners. That doesn't mean we go down to bird legs and, and just hang out all the time because we want to bring those people to Jesus. If you're just sitting down there all the time having a good time, you might have a different issue. Uh, but But ultimately... We would be in those same situations if we didn't have the grace of God. So we uh, we don't look down on people like that. We don't look down on the sinners, those who are at the I guess lower end of society and stigmatized, um, because God's grace, without it, we would be in those same positions. Um, and ultimately, that grace that you receive from God shouldn't just stick with you. It should radiate out to others. Let's see. Uh, so they're asking, why is he eating with these people? Uh, and Jesus said, Jesus heard it um, and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So these people were sick. They needed a physician, and ultimately that they found the greatest physician alive. Yeah. He's pretty amazing with his healing abilities. Uh, he knows exactly what to prescribe. Uh, so he, And he tells them, go and learn what this means. So he's, he's telling to those scribes and Pharisees that you need to go and learn why I'm saying this to you. Because I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Uh, for I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Um, that, that quote, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, is one that those Pharisees and scribes should have known. It's in the Old Testament. Hosea 6.6 6, says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Uh, Hosea 6.1 talks about, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, and he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. Um, 1 Samuel 15.22, Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Psalm 51, for I delight in, this is David after he's he slept with Bathsheba, <clears throat> murdered Uriah, not by his own hand, but by his orders. Uh, and he's repenting in the psalm. He says, for I will not delight in sacrifice, for, for you would not delight in sacrifice where I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Micah 6. With whom shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? All those things should have came to mind when Jesus told those Pharisees, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. They had the outward appearance of righteousness, but the inward was dead. They were the, the, the tombs that looked nice on, on the outside. They were nice and pretty on the outside, but in the inside were filled with dead men's bones. Um, uh, their, their sacrificial system had become just a way of doing things and ultimately a way of power and authority over people. But they, they neglected the weightier matters of the law. 
Yeah. The, have mercy on people. Those tax collectors and sinners needed mercy. They didn't need. Uh, they didn't need uh, abandoned by their their overseers in those days. And so that Jesus, he uh, he. He, he is chastising them, but also he, I would say, he can chastise us with that too. Uh, we should never have that position of, of I'm, look at me, I'm holy, but you're down here. Uh, I don't know what theologian said it, but it talks about the ground before the cross is level. There's no one that's higher than anyone else besides who's on the cross. Uh, we came down from the cross. Uh, so we... We go to those people who are despised socially, and uh, we have mercy on them. We show them the way of the great physician who can heal their ultimate sickness, uh, who, who not only has healed and performed miracles by healing the paralytic, but also who can heal their hearts. Because uh, that, that's really the focus of the physician, the great physician of Jesus. It's not just to heal our bodies. It's to heal our heal our hearts. We've got a we've got a condition of sin that we need healing from. Uh, I'll invite the worship team up too. Uh, uh, so, I my thing that I ask is that when we go out, we keep that in mind that our, our even though we've been saved, we don't we aren't uh, arrogant in that salvation uh, because we would be in the same position. As the, as the people mentioned in the story, either the tax collectors and sinners, if not for the grace of God, or we would be like the scribes and Pharisees, where we have that arrogant righteousness in us. Because ultimately, that righteousness we wouldn't have without Jesus. It's His righteousness that we would receive, uh, and we should remember that as we go to those people. Uh, we don't, don't take that the wrong way. We 